Well, hello and welcome back to the Leadership Podcast. It's great to have you with us for this second season. Please make sure you're subscribed and following us on social media. We don't want you to miss out on any of the episodes coming up. And so I'm here today with Ed for the first of our Leadership Lessons of the series as we look at this important subject of leadership and justice. First of all, Ed, how are you doing? Hi, Sim. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thank you. It's so good to be back for a second season. Um, When we started making this podcast... It's because we wanted it to be more than just us having a couple of good conversations, right? And so we really want it to be a useful tool for leaders out there and and have an impact on on your lives, our lives as well. Uh, This week, well, actually a couple of weeks ago, we heard from Trey Murrell, who sent us such an encouraging message. Yeah, it's always good to hear from people. And she said these words. She said, I wanted to send you a message to say, that I've really enjoyed listening to your leadership podcast. I'm not on Facebook, otherwise I would have left a comment there. But when I first began listening to your podcast, I wasn't sure what to expect. I've honestly been blown away by the guests you've interviewed and the thoughtful reflection episodes. I feel really grateful that you are opening up conversations like these ones. Too many leaders feel lonely, burnt out, and on the journey, ending up working out their pain on others. Wow. It really does make it worthwhile when we hear stuff like that. Thank you, Trey, for sharing it. It truly is a privilege to know that this small amount that we're sowing into this podcast is really helpful to those listening. So keep on listening and keep on sending in your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, it's so encouraging to hear things like that. Thanks, Trey, for for sending it to us. And please do keep sending us your thoughts, ideas and, and questions. Uh, This is our first Leadership Lessons episode of the season, and we are looking back on the interview last week with Mike Royal, um, hopefully sharing some further thoughts and answering your questions. Uh, Sim, perhaps to ask the real obvious question to start us off, how did it feel interviewing Mike there, especially on that topic of racial injustice? You know, this is a tough one because I knew that this was going to be a significant part of our interview together. And, and I love the fact you asked how I felt about it because I did feel quite nervous going in because I wanted to do this right up. Mike is quite rightly passionate about the issue of, of racial justice and I didn't want to get it wrong. I, I didn't want to, um, or do worse. I didn't want to damage the message that he wanted to bring by putting my foot in it or saying something, you know, recognizing I'm a, I'm a white man, so I come from that background. I have a certain upbringing. And um, fortunately, we had the chance, didn't we, Ed, before the co- recording to chat to Mike, and I explained some of my concerns, and he set me so at ease. He just said, you know, this is this is going to be okay. We're going to work this out. He was really confident that he could kind of cover things up and work with things. So mm. he was just really helpful. Um, but we have so much work to do on this, not just as, as Christians, but as society genuinely and especially listeners of this show who carry influence as leaders i want leaders to make a difference and i want you and i to make a difference i want to make a difference and um i know that as mike said uh, this won't be a quick mm. fix yeah well i think well done for plunging in and and having the conversation i mean i think i'm conscious as well even recording this short reflection that we're two white guys here talking about it and we might say something wrong but I think actually it's really important to to continue the conversation and to have this chat and be prepared that if we do say something wrong we'll be corrected and actually that's that's okay um let's let's hear a quick clip of what Mike had to say I say and I say this often to 
to to to to church leaders. It's interesting that 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 that, that footballers get this, but but church leaders don't. But actually, footballers, we know we talk about persecution, but footballers are willing, knowing that they're probably going to get booed, to go and take a knee as a stand against racism, are willing to push through that barrier of rejection. And yet, sometimes we as Christians just want to move on to the next thing. We need attitudes to change, and we know attitudes don't change overnight. This is such a big area, Sim, but I think some really interesting questions were raised with that interview with Mike. One of the things you raised, I think, was that idea of, you know, there are things that come along and it spikes a piece of interest and people post about it on social media, but then how do we avoid people just moving on? How, how does we as leaders ensure that we do have that stamina to keep engaging in these issues and especially in this issue of racial justice? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm so aware that as a as a society, especially in the world of social media, we can just do a quick post and we think we've dealt with an issue. We can just do a quick kind of, you know, share something. And, um, you know, I'm reminded of that verse in Galatians where it says, let us not become weary of doing good for the proper time. We'll reap the harvest if we don't give up. And, and I think that that verse has got loads of layers to it. We could cover another time. But but I think this idea of never getting tired of doing good is something we need to keep on keeping on that, you know, diversity is so important. How we lead is so important. The way we treat people is so important. And it, in these issues of justice, we must never think one podcast, <laughs> one social media post, one clever, you know, phrase uh, will finish off the conversation forever that will have dealt with it this is never in some ways this is never going to end and that's okay this is a conversation we must always keep on having with every generation um so i, yeah, I do think it's it's not a straightforward fix and i think we fool ourselves and we lie to ourselves if we think we'll just sort it overnight with one you know kind of post online or something similar what, what would your thoughts be around that Ed? you know as a leader as a church leader, you, I think you often have people that come to you and say, look, we, I'm really passionate about this. We need to do something about this as a, this as a church, whatever the issue might be. Um, and generally, I, the response is, uh, well, I've found, <laughs> is that a church leader will turn around to me and say, oh, yeah, great. You, you, you do something about that and we'll back you kind of thing or, you know. And um, it tends to be a sort of delegation model of leadership, that, that one. And when it comes to this issue of racial justice, I don't think that's enough. Mm. Um, so I'd really encourage um, any leader, especially church leaders, you know, these are, these are things that need to be led. These are things that need to be part of your culture, whether it's organizational culture or your church culture. And um, that requires your input. It requires you to, um, you know, to, to lay down the air cover almost so that, you know, people can come in and, and, and serve under you. So it needs to not just be a thing where someone's passionate about it and you ask them to get on with it themselves. It needs to be something where as a leader, you come alongside them and lead from the front too. Yeah, that's so important. We, we, as leaders, we set the culture. You know, we can't delegate culture. We set the tone. We, we create the environment. We create the permission by what we accept and what we say no to. Um, you know, the culture is the way we do things around here. And we lead by example in this area, particularly more than any other. 
And it's something we, you know, even by the way we put teams in place and we make sure we are diverse in our leadership. Uh, we have people who think differently to us on our leadership teams who look different to us. And we make sure diversity isn't something we just talk about. It's something we live out regularly. And on that point, actually, in terms of you know, bringing people alongside you and, and that kind of thing, this kind of sort of leads into the next question, which is, again, touched on that that need of to have an ally right your need your need for um us to step up as as allies um for you know the black community other underrepresented communities so how can we yeah how can we avoid that idea of sort of performative allyship so you know just being an aunt uh, kind of just doing that to signal something almost yeah and i think you know you've got to be really careful here uh, but our response to this has got to be more than just a virtue signaling Mm. or or can I say, you know, being woke, just trying to look like we are doing the right thing. Um, You know, every sort of TV show I watch or movie I watch that comes in now has elements of this where we just kind of going, let's make sure we're ticking all the boxes that all diversity is covered, that male field genders and, you know, sexuality is covered. And we're always making sure but it has to be a genuine decision to change, not just a tokenistic response. We have to be willing to learn. And as you said, you know, if we get something wrong in this podcast or somebody might say something back, we go, let's learn. Let's, let's learn together rather than assume we're going to get things right. Because I think when we just try and signal our intention, what we're saying is we want to just keep things at arm's length. You know, media keeps something in between us and other people it, it, it's a you know it's a kind of a wall between us you know the, the latin word media means in the middle and it separates us from people if we want to change we have to get alongside people that are different to us you know i have to change myself not just to act differently but to check that unconscious bias you know my pre-programmed thought life the bible tells us to take every thought captive which is not some sort of internal switch we can just turn on or off but it's a lifetime of making the right choices, the difficult choices um, that start in my head before they come out of my mouth, before they become a physical action. And so we must do more than just make pithy statements, but to commit to permanent learning and adapting to the world we live in. Uh, the way of Jesus is, is both challenging to the way that I live each day as a disciple to pick up my cross and to follow him, but it also challenges the way that we treat others. You know, whatever I do to the least of these, my brothers, I do it unto him. And so those two aspects of our Christian faith has to come out of relationship. You can't do that in a vacuum. You can't do that online. You have to do it with real people in a real setting. And as a Christian that's following or endeavoring to follow the great commandment, how do I relate properly to God through prayer, worship, science, reading scripture, and therefore, out of that Christian relationship with my Heavenly Father, how do I then form genuine friendships with people who think and operate differently to me? That will start to change some of our assumed mindsets. Yeah. And from a sort of leadership and management point of view as well, that idea of leading with people who are different to you or recruiting even people who are different to you and think different to you and challenge you and help you see the world from a different point of view um and I think that's been part of sort of leadership and management teaching for a long time but then as we think of that 
you know, in as the you know, as a rubber hits the work road, as you if you like, <laughs> under this topic of uh, especially of you know racial injustice, like let's look at our teams around us and who do we have that we can ask to, to challenge us and ask us to ask to kind of come on the journey with us so that we yeah because i'm sure we will put put foot wrong here and there and you know we need to we need to have the people around us that can say well actually do you know what you know that's that's not right or um you know maybe we should do do it differently and and that's so important to have like you say not just people around you but people who know they can speak into you because it's all very well we can place people around us to look like we are doing the right thing but if those people feel fearful of of saying something and you feel fearful of saying the wrong thing out of fear we end up um hiding the 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 greatness that we've all got to offer one another Mm. we end up trying to shove down the piece of us that actually could be really helpful because we don't want to offend we don't want to make mistakes so we end up saying nothing or we end up saying a sort of a bland version but when we're in really good relationship with someone else we can say what we actually think and trust that they will challenge us if we've got it wrong or we've overassumed something. That's why conversation and discussion is so important because it enables us to shape our thinking. If our thinking only takes place on an online space, you know, it's only then by how many likes do I get, not do I have a discussion or a conversation. It's just it's so much more important. And not just around racial uh, kind of diversity, but just diversity of thinking. People who bring different thinking into our worlds. You know, as organizations, as churches, we'll be stronger, we'll be better when we have people who have different life experiences around the table sharing our leadership, not just people who say yes to every idea we come up with. That's a surefire way to have a bad organization that's unhealthy at the top. That idea of um, being challenged can be an uncomfortable one, can't it? And um, it, it means that we as leaders have to be vulnerable and have to, you know, allow ourselves to be challenged and and listen to others. And so often we think, no, this is the way to do it. And, you know, off we go and we're, we're three miles down the road before anyone else has caught up with us. Um, but, you know, Mike mentioned actually in that clip that we played um, the importance of leaders being able to sit with that discomfort and allowing it to form and shape us. Um and actually how you know that can be that can be a challenge and that is often what he says to to church leaders you know how we saw the footballers happy to take the knee in the face of being booed um but yet so often as a church we just skirt around the issue we'd rather not talk about it because it feels discomfort uh, uncomfortable what what would your advice be on on that that's a great comment because christian leaders often we we don't offend anybody. So we end up almost not comfortable. We're not careful. We say nothing, but this, this thing about discomfort, I think is really important when it comes to the area of justice. It's that kind of Popeye moment. I can't stand this no more. I have to do something about it. I have to change the way I work or my organization works. And discomfort is really important. The problem with discomfort is we tend to learn to live with it. We tend to find ways to either compartmentalize it. You know, we watch an advert on TV about a poor country and the charity asking for money. We can just fast forward or we can just walk out of the room and it seems so far away. And we can allow our discomfort just to be sort of compartmentalized or just, you know, something we just push to one side or or we give some money towards a charity and therefore we feel we've dealt with it. Or we post on social media, we talked about already quite a bit. And so I think discomfort is really important. And to keep on um, 
reminding yourself of that discomfort, that it's not okay. This is not acceptable. This is not how people should be treated. Uh, the one thing that really resonated with me in our conversation with Mike was he talked to me and I felt quite personal when he said about the luxury that I had and maybe yourself, Ed, and many of our listeners will have had the luxury of being brought up in a home where we didn't dis- suffer from discrimination or injustice. And, and when he said that word luxury, I, I remember thinking, you've got no idea, Mike, I wouldn't call my upbringing luxurious. You know, we were a poor family. Uh, we didn't have very much, you know, we had hand-me-down clothes. We had secondhand gifts. Uh, there, we had a lot of, a lot of got, still got a lot of siblings, you know, so a lot of us in the house, it was crazy. But actually it was an eye-opening moment because I thought, yeah, you're right. I had unwittingly benefited from a luxury of not having to fight for my very existence as a person that I had rights before I realized that was even a thing. And it, and it makes me uncomfortable. And it still does even have this conversation. Now I think I, I feel a sense of discomfort, um, but I don't want to let the discomfort pass because I know it's doing something good to me. It's reminding me regularly. And um, the other thing Mike also mentioned the importance of educating ourselves yeah. And I think that also helps our discomfort. I think when we, when we just listen to people who are like us, all it does is remind, reinforces our own preferred view of comfort. When we listen to people outside of our comfort zone, then we think differently. And I love the fact that Mike mentioned people I'd never really heard of before, which is wonderful. Uh, he mentioned, um, just a reminder here, Robert Beckford, Anthony Reddy, uh, Janelle Aldridge and Selena Stone. Um, and said, you know, listen to those people, follow them on social media to make sure we're listening to alternative points of view. And I know we're going to add those onto the Leaders Hub on the website. And so I, I would encourage that. That's been really good just to kind of look at other people, listen to other people. Um, any, any comments from you, Ed, around discomfort or things that we need to be making sure we're focusing on? I think one of the things we probably all recognise, although it doesn't necessarily mean that we put it into practice, is that... Uh, Discomfort is kind of like a step thing, isn't it? So you get to a place where you're on the edge of the comfort zone, you feel a bit uncomfortable. And after you've done that for a bit, it feels comfortable again. And then you can take another step. Um, that, now that doesn't make it easier, but um, it does mean that, you know, if we continue, if we engage with this, if we do educate ourselves, if we have the uncomfortable conversations and you know, sometimes I put in our place, we can learn from that in a step, in a step, in a sort of step kind of uh, way. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I personally, you know, I, I'm really only at the beginning of that, of that journey of um, engaging with, with um, racial justice. And, um, you know, off the back of last year, I went and bought um, why I'm no longer talking to white people about race and read that. But then, I haven't read anything really much since then, since we, until we started talking to Mike. And so that's been a challenge for me as well to make sure that I'm back out of my comfort zone and, and, yeah. and learning about this yeah. step by step. So, yeah. It is important. I mean, and there's also, this is uh, Black History Month and I didn't realise when we recorded that was going to be the story. So I think it's great. That's mm-hmm. timely. I've been reading um, a book by Esau Macaulay called Reading While Black. He's a black theological professor from um, America and he talks about how we read the Bible differently based on our race and our upbringing. And I found that really helpful to see where do we place ourselves in the stories of scripture. And so that's been helpful. Um, there's some other book recommendations that Mike gave us as well. Again, these will be on the Leaders Hub. Uh, the one you mentioned, I'm no longer talking about race uh, by Rennie Edo Lodge. 
Um, also, Ben Lindsay's book has been really well publicized. We need to talk about race and a fairly new one by Chinny McDonald, which is God is not a white man. So lots of great books. We'll put those in our book list online. Uh, that's at theleadshippodcast.uk. Um, any final comments as we wrap this up, Ed? I know this has been a slightly uh, awkward conversation. We're trying to do this justice, this, this conversation of injustice. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you think we've absolutely put our foot in, then, then tell us. Mm-hmm. Let's learn together. Uh, but hopefully you just, you know, our listeners will be pleased. We're even having the conversation and starting trying to unpack and re-unpack. And as you say, to keep on exploring this and never thinking we've got it settled and sorted. Any any final comments, Ed? No, just really pleased to be back. And please, yeah, let us know what you think. Um, we always love to, to hear from you. And maybe we'll read your comment out as well, like we did with Trey. But um, yeah, uh, really looking forward to the rest of the series as well. Got two other great interviews lined up. And um, yeah, they're coming up in the next few weeks. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, do check out The Leaders Hub on our website, theleadershippodcast.uk. And as Ed just said there, keep in touch with your thoughts, your questions. We really would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and look forward to joining you again next time.